This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. To Border, the best radio show in the state of Wisconsin. Voted on by the Wisconsin Broadcasters Association. The award-winning Wendy's Big Show. Let's get ready to rock. Let's get ready to go. Get set. Ready. Get up. Hey. Let's get it on. With the Wendy's Big Show. Showtime, baby. Showtime. This is the Wendy's Big Show with Steve Sparky Pfeiffer, former Badger and Packers running back Gary Ellerson, and the inventor of the Lambeau Leap, Pro Football Hall of Famer Leroy Butler. Wendy's Big Show, served up hot and fresh. See Sparky Pfeiffer. Flying solo today, Gary and Leroy off. Playing in the Packer Hall of Fame golf outing. We'll be back tomorrow. AR, Adam Roberts, executive producer. He is here. Coming up uh, this hour, Patrick Ebert, D1Baseball.com, formerly a perfect game. Uh, he'll join us to go over the Brewers draft picks from last night, the MLB amateur draft. If you follow me on Twitter at Sparky Radio, you saw I was tweeting uh, through that. Trey Meyer, the Kenosha Kingfish mascot that got annihilated by A.J. Dillon uh, over the weekend. He'll join us in the last segment of this hour to see how that whole thing came apart. Whose idea was it? How's he feeling physically? And now we see other people and other teams copying him, uh, including the Fond du Lac Spiders. Is that the name of it? Doc Spiders. Doc Spiders uh, with Braylon Allen uh, crushing their mascot. Um, So the copycat uh, has started. Uh, but we'll talk to the originator, Trey Meyer, the Kenosha Kingfish mascot, coming up at the end of the hour. Last night, I was, or yeah, yesterday, late afternoon, evening, whatever the case may be, after the Brewers game was done, I had on the my headset, and I was cutting the grass, and was listening to the Gene Weiner Plumbing Baseball postgame show on 1250 AM, the fan in Milwaukee, and on your Odyssey app, uh, and listening to uh, Tim Allen uh, do the show. And he's on, obviously, with us on Thursdays, the first hour every Thursday. And he had his producer, Bonamago Jr., Tim Shea, uh, go through uh, and get numbers on what this Brewers team has done going into the All-Star break every year. Because the Brewers right now are going in on a three-game skid. 
not playing great baseball. And Tim was wondering if if this had become a trend. That was that was kind of the question. So we went back and looked. Now remember, council was hired uh, May 4th of 2015, I believe it was. Or maybe it was May 3rd, whatever. But 2015. Um, and he was put into that role by, of course, Doug Melvin. So if we look at 15, um, and he had just got there, so I think this is kind of unfair. He was just kind of learning what the hell was going on at that point. They were 2-4 and four in their last six games going into the break. In 2016, they were three and seven in their last 10. In 2017, they were actually good going into the break. They were six and one. In 2018, they lost six in a row going into the break. In 2019, heading into the All-Star break, the Brewers lost five of six. 2020 COVID year. 2021, they lost six of eight, including the last three heading into the All-Star break. And this year, they've lost eight of 11, including their last three heading into the All-Star break. Prior to Craig Council, 2014, they were 2-12 and 12 going down the stretch, going into the All-Star break, prior to Council. 2013, they were 4-7 and seven in their last 11 games going into the All-Star break. So this was a problem even before Council got here. And this has been a problem all of but one year. From 2013 to 2022, only one year did they actually finish the first half in a positive manner. Now, this team has been going to the playoffs, what, four straight seasons. So they've been able to figure it out one way or the other in the second half. And when I mentioned that it didn't feel like a first-place team over the weekend that I was watching, there were numerous people that said, who cares? Like, it, it, it doesn't matter. It's July, whatever. Who cares? All that matters is they're usually a good first, second half team with Craig Council. And normally they play well down the stretch. Now, last year, that was the outlier. Because they were so far up in the division, they literally took their foot off the pedal in the month of September to make sure everybody was going to be healthy and so forth. And then when they got to the Brave series, they couldn't get their mojo back and it was over. Now, if the Brewers get to that situation again this year, I would think Council plays it differently. I would think Stearns plays it differently. I would think the approach to those games might be a little bit different. We won't know that until it actually happens, however. My question is simple. Why do you think the Brewers have struggled going into the All-Star break under Craig Council? So often. As a fan, we sit back, and I'm guilty of everything I'm about to say. We sit back and we go, ah, what is Council doing? This lineup is horrible. Why is William Adamas batting too? His on-base percentage is trash. He's horrible. Get him out of there. Oh, my God. Christian Yelich is batting third. How much longer are we going to do this? Said both. In fact, I was just going off about William Adamas last week. Tim has been going off about William Adams batting two. And I was going off about Yelich batting three. Now, eventually, he moved Yelich to the one spot, did Council, and it's paid dividends. He's gotten better. Now, he's not a MVP Yelich, but at least he's serviceable now and above average for that position. 
So fine. That's kind of worked itself out. But as a fan, it's, man, I can't believe they brought in Boxberger in that situation. Or why did they go to Devin Williams instead of Josh Hader? He just blew a game the other night. Let Devin Williams close it out. What are we doing? You get all worked up and get all emotional about different decisions that the manager makes in a game setting. And then you'll have people that'll say, what, you think you can manage the team better, Sparky? Do you think you can do it any better? No. But as a fan, I'm, I'm allowed to have an opinion of what I think they should have done. Now, now, some of you don't think anybody should have an opinion. Some of you think you should just sit back, eat your hot dog, have your beverage of choice, don't criticize uh, or anything of the team, and just view it like you would a movie. The problem is I criticize movies too and how things play out and what they should have done differently and so forth. So by nature, that's who I am. So that's why I asked the question. Why do you think the Brewers have struggled going into the All-Star break under Craig Council? In fairness, we did not go and look at every Major League Baseball team across baseball for the last you know, five, six years to see what their records were going into the All-Star break. To see if this is just a MLB thing and the teams are just tired and your play suffers because of it and you become lackadaisical, whatever the case may be going into the break. Maybe it's a league-wide thing. Maybe there is nothing correct counsel can do about it. But we have a pretty smart audience that listens to the Wendy's Big Show. So I want to hear what you got to say. Why do you think the Brewers have struggled going into the All-Star break under Craig Council? The Van Horn Direct toll-free talk line, 855-830-8648. 855-830-8648. Start your deal today at vanhornauto.com. You can also tweet us at Big Show Network. Border to Border, the Big Show Radio Network. Show served up hot and fresh. See Sparky Pfeiffer along with Adam Roberts. Coming up, Patrick Eber, D1Baseball.com. Talk about the Brewers draft picks from yesterday. They had three selections yesterday. Back at it again today for some more selections. Plus, Trey Meyer, Kenosha Kingfish mascot, who got pummeled by A.J. Dillon, the Packers running back, joins us uh, prior to the end of the hour. Toby Altizer uh, will be filling in for me the last hour of uh, the show. So thanks to Toby Altizer uh, for filling in coming up here at the top of the hour. The question now is, why do you think the Brewers have struggled going into the All-Star break under Craig Council like they have? Now, this is the thing. Um, as we talked about these numbers, and I'll go through them quickly one more time for you, okay? 2015, now he took over in May of that year. Two and four last six. I'm not really sure that's really on him. 2016, three and seven in the last 10. 2017, six and one into the All-Star break. 2018, they lost six in a row. 2019, they lost five of six. 2021, they lost six of eight, including their last three. And 2022, they lost eight of their last 11 
including the last three uh, as well. So the last two years, they've had three-game losing streaks going in. So Shoulder Fat uh, tweets at Big Show Network, can't remember seasons past, but this year, Council seemed to overthink the rotation this last week. Too much tinkering. We should look at the team's record on getaway games or before off games to see if this is a Council-related issue. So what we're pretty much saying at that point is, I heard Tim kind of reference it on the postgame last night in Milwaukee, which is it kind of feels like the the mode is let's just get to the off date. Let's just get to the off date and then we get our rest and then we'll be okay. Almost like there's a let up kind of going in. Like you're so excited to get there. Um, and I guess the, the, the comparison I would make maybe to real life stuff is, is if you are going on vacation, let's say, right? You're taking a vacation from work and you're going to be gone from work for a week or whatever the case may be. And you're all excited. You're all anxious. Kids are all excited to go, or you and your girl are all excited to go somewhere. And you've been looking forward to it for like six months. And now all of a sudden it's Friday. It's your last day. You're ready to take off on, on vacation that night or the next day on Saturday, you're gone for a week. And all you're thinking about is, all right, I still got to go get this at the store. I still got to pack this. I still got to do this. I still got to get that. I can't wait to get on the beach and have my first cocktail. And it distracts, maybe not all people, but some people, it will distract you from doing what you're supposed to be doing at work that day. You're just trying to figure out how to get through the, the work shift that you have as quickly as possible to get to vacation. And maybe your complete 100% attention isn't focused on where it's supposed to be because you just want to get out of there. And it's like, oh, I'll just worry about this when I get back. Oh, I'll just got good just on real quick here. And you rush through something and then you find out later you screwed it up because you were in such a hurry to get out the door to go on vacation. Has that ever happened to you, AR? Uh, well, it didn't happen, I think, before I went to Canada. I oh, thought it was on no. point that week good. before we yeah. went. No, you were good. But, but I mean, it has happened. As far as, I mean, you had a lot going on. You were going to propose. So for you, you had a lot on your brain getting ready to go. Oh, yeah. And, and then, you know, you're trying to keep that focus at work, trying to get to that point. That would be my comparison to maybe when you were talking about a six-month season, you're playing, you know, 10 days in a row or you're on a three-city road trip and you're trying to get to that off day before, you know, you play another game at home and you just want the road trip to be done. You just want to see your kids. You just want to see your girl, whatever, and sleep in your own bed and all of that stuff. I bet you mentally it can get in your head when you're playing in that last game or two before it ends. And again, important to note, we don't have the numbers on other teams, so drawing generalizations is probably not a good idea, but I have to think, even if it doesn't reflect in the record, mentally, most teams are probably in the same position with their players. It's the middle of summer, you know, you you get that, and especially in baseball, more than the other sports, this is a very rare opportunity for players to have an extended period off, because after this, you get your day where you maybe don't have a game on a Monday or a Thursday or something like that. And that's kind of it. This is the big vacation period for a lot of these players. Right. Yeah. No question. And for instance, again, I'm not going to make any general assumptions on this whole deal, but this whole hater thing struggling and people freaking out about hater. We have no idea what's going on with that dude. Right. It could be something mechanically that could be wrong with hater. It could be tipping a pitch or something that could possibly be it. I don't think it is. But maybe that's the deal. Maybe he's got stuff on his mind. Remember, he's not going. He's not going to the All Star festivities. He's staying home with his baby and his girl. So, which again, 
No problem with that whatsoever. There's, I don't care. I could care less if you go to an all-star game or don't go to an all-star game if you don't want to. So that there might be something going on there that we don't know about that that's affecting him. And that that's, I've learned that a lot. Like when I was younger and I was in my twenties and I was doing these sports talk shows, I didn't want to hear about any of these excuses. Like you're expected to go out there, be 110%, focus on the game. Don't tell me about, don't tell me about distractions and don't tell me about how this plays into how you're doing or whatever the case may be, or how this is bothering you physically. And that, that that's why you can't finish. I didn't want to hear any of that stuff. Just figure it out. They're paying you a lot of money, figure it out and get through it. And, as I've gotten older and had kids and all this other stuff, you know, your perception um, as far as how you look at things changes, right? I mean, it, it changes how you view um, all these different situations a, a little bit more. The question, however, we're getting sidetracked. Why do you think the Brewers have struggled going in the all-star break under uh, Craig Council? Craig tweets at Big Show Network, not that Craig. My opinion is that Council platoons way too much, and he uses his middle relief guys way too much. The main guys can't build any rhythm. Players today are softer than the players in 90s and 2000s. I haven't checked, but I bet hardly anyone plays 155 games a year or more. Uh, I don't know. We'd have to look. I mean, if you go back to, say, Prince Fielder, that dude played every game. Damn near every year. The guy never missed games. As far as Craig talking about building rhythm, I do have to say, and I've heard on other sports talk radio shows kind of explain what happened yesterday watching the game with Ashby's one inning performance and then Jason Alexander coming out. Yep. I mean, Jason certainly was not in any sort of rhythm. Ashby did not look particularly well. I mean, that kind of fits Craig's opinion here. That was very abrupt, and I know... It's been explained why Craig did it. It's very similar to Wade Miley against the Dodgers. And unlike in that situation, the Giants had this one pretty much read like a book. They knew exactly what was going to come. So I wondered that when it happened. I didn't really say anything. I was like, oh, this is a cool move. But does it make it kind of a one-trick pony situation where you now know teams are going to be ready when they're facing the Brewers expecting something like this? And now it's only going to backfire on you Definitely looked like it yesterday. Yeah, it did. Uh, no question. And sometimes you can be smartest guy in the room type deal, right? You're trying to outthink things um, and try and do things differently um, and, and try to pull one over. And, you know, the Brewers have been able to do that in the past, in the playoffs and so forth, where they've been able to do that. And then they changed the rule, remember? Now you got to face, you know, uh, get, what is it? You got to get three three batters, I believe you got to face or something like that. It can't be one batter and then you pull the guy. Uh, and the team goes one way, thinking they're facing a lefty, and then it's a righty. Or they think it's a righty, and then it's a lefty. And Council and Stearns give them credit, uh, pulled a fast one on baseball, and then baseball uh, changed the rule. Michael tweets that Big Show a Network. Could be any manager. Injuries matter. Uh, underperforming matters. But Michael, buddy, pal, you and I just, you and I hardly ever agree on anything on Twitter. Th- this is my thing. You're right. You can't control injuries. To a degree. All depends what we're talking about. I've had this conversation numerous times with a lot of different trainers. Depends what the injuries are. You tear an ACL, you're right. It's not preventable. It is what it is. MCL, whatever. If you're battling constant hamstring problems, hmm, that might be a little bit more preventable. There, there are certain things where if you talk to certain guys, they can pinpoint in all sports, right? You can talk to a basketball trainer, and he would tell you, he, that person, he or she, whoever it may be, would be able to tell you, yeah, this person over here, that person over there, 
you know, you notice their players tend to get these type of injuries because they're not doing A, B, and C. If you look at this person over here on this team, they tend to be injury-free because they're doing this uh, with their organization and, and going about it this way. We've seen it time and time again. So I do think athletic trainers and so forth do play somewhat of a role in this. It's not on council necessarily, but I, I do think there are better ones than not. Okay. Now, underperforming matters. Absolutely. But do remember, when a team underperforms, who is the one that gets their job costs? It's on the manager. You fired your hitting coach. Now, again, I don't know if it was Stearns or Council. Whoever it was fired Hanny Haynes. One of them made the decision to get rid of Annie Haynes. Maybe it was Matt Arnold, the GM now. Whoever it was, you move on. You hire old school guy and new school guy to come in and co-hitting coaches. And then an assistant to those two guys. So really, you got three people that are trying to work in correlation together as one. And I don't know. You you tell me. You think it's working? As it Gary would say, too many cooks in the kitchen. Possibly. And we don't know if they're all if they're all on the same page, if they're all pulling the same direction, if there's some banter back and forth about what one likes and one doesn't like. And I'll give you a perfect example of this, okay? We're going to talk to Patrick Eber coming up next, D1Baseball.com, about this draft. The Brewers draft one way. Other teams go another way. The Brewers are part of this stat analytical group that's driven by a lot of numbers and certain numbers that they look at. And that's why you see them take a guy like Brown Jr. yesterday, where probably um, he may have fallen you know, later in the first round based on what how other teams approach it because of different things. They do it their way. Jackson Rensick and Doug Melvin did not do it the way that these guys are doing it and how they go about uh, evaluating the draft picks. Now, you could argue that Jackson Rensick and Doug Melvin, the way they evaluated hitters, should maybe be considered to be the way this team evaluates hitters. Because this 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 front office here can't develop hitting to save their life right now. So, from that perspective, th- whatever they're doing hasn't worked to this point. It just hasn't. Now, we'll see what Patrick Eber thinks about the guys they drafted, but it hasn't worked. Now, you can look at them and go, okay, but maybe their, their idea of how to go about developing pitching, maybe that has worked. And Jack Zarensic and Doug Melvin struggled figuring out the pitching side. A lot of why they struggled was a lot of their guys kept getting hurt and so forth, but they struggled. That was something they struggled with. And this team struggles uh, finding hitters. All right, so we'll talk to Patrick Eber, D1Baseball.com. Coming up next, talk about these Brewers draft picks. Don't forget the wait is over. Wendy Summer Strawberry Chicken Salad is back. It's the event of the summer featuring freshly prepared ingredients like a mix of salad greens, grilled chicken, oven-baked crispy apple with smoked bacon, candied almonds, Italian cheese blend, and to top it all off, fresh summer strawberries, all beautifully tossed together and served with a side of sweet champagne vinaigrette only at Wendy's. Don't miss the fan favorite, the summer strawberry chicken salad. Choose wisely. Choose. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Wendy's. Wisconsin Wide, the big show radio network. Wendy's Big Show, served up hot and fresh. The Sparky Pfeiffer flying solo today. Gary Ellison, Leroy Butler off playing in the Packer uh, football pro, uh, Packer pro, no, Packer Hall of Fame. I can talk. Holy crap. Packer Hall of Fame golf outing at the there Bowl today. I can get it out. Joining us now, friend of the show, Patrick Ebert from D1Baseball.com. Follow him on Twitter at Patrick Ebert 4 Talk about the Brewers draft choices from yesterday. Draft continues, obviously, coming up this afternoon as well. He's on the Schneider Orange Hotline. Schneider is hiring drivers right now. For more info, call him 844-PRIDE or go to schneiderjobs.com. That's 844-PRIDE or go to schneiderjobs.com. Patrick, thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Good afternoon. Hey, before we get to this, I for people that, that have known you for a while, like myself, I, I want you to kind of just give people kind of your journey a little bit, if you don't mind um, dating back to like how this all started at brewerfan.net, which is now brewer fanatic, I believe. Uh, and they still have the form boards up like they did for brewer fan, but because that's when I first came in contact with you and started to learn about you through brewerfan.net. So how did this all start for you getting to the point now where you've made a successful career, really analyzing, you know, high school and college kids and the whole deal. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good question, and it's, it's, I'll try to keep it as short as possible. But, yeah, I mean, it started online kind of with the advent of the Internet, just going on and scouring, you know, what you could find, looking up Baseball America. And that was like the first online publication that had a lot of information on prospects. I was always fascinated by minor league prospects and draft prospects. And it kind of started back in the 80s, like back when the Brewers drafted Kenny Henderson and weren't able to sign him. And it was kind of like, well, how does that happen? You know, and it. It just kind of created more hunger for me to search this information. Um, started writing about it on brewerfan.net, like you mentioned. And uh, at the time, uh, Ben Ford was pitching for the Brewers. Oh, my his dad, God. Gary Ford, yep. owned, uh, perf- his dad owned Perfect Game. His dad offered me a part-time job. The part-time job turned into a full-time job. Uh, the full-time job went away with the COVID pandemic and uh, landed, on, landed at uh, D1 Baseball since. And, Love writing about college baseball, love writing about prospects, and love talking about the draft. All right, so let's let's get into the Brewers a little bit. I, I, we were talking about this a little bit earlier, right? So sometimes when you look at the Brewers, Doug Melvin and Jackson Renzik really knew how to kind of evaluate hitting to a certain degree and, and did really well. Whether they be high school, college, they, they kind of had a feel for it. Pitching, maybe not as much. They were also besieged by injuries to their pitchers coming up through the farm system. I love David Stearns. And I love Matt Arnold, 
But I'm here to tell you, I don't trust them drafting hitters at this point. I, I, I really don't. And then when you're going to tell me that we're going to draft a bunch of guys under six foot um, to play in, in the middle of the field, when there is a gaping hole at first and third with no power to speak of anywhere, um, and you have a power-hitting first baseman from Texas who I wanted, so yes, I do have an agenda in all of this. Uh, and again, you could say, well, they would have reached for him. But in my opinion where this Brown Jr. guy was was projected to go, this was a reach too, especially when you look at his cockeyed-looking uh, approach at the plate, the bat dangling over his head, looking at third base, his knee goes up to his chin when he goes to swing the goes to swing at the uh, at the pitch. Like, I, I just, I don't know, man. Like, I, 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 I am lacking trust uh, in what they're doing as far as drafting hitters at this point. Am I, am I fair in that or am I overreacting? I'll say you're fair in the part of being concerned about them drafting hitters, right? Because you're looking at a Brewers team that has assembled pretty much everyone on their roster from, from outside of the organization. They haven't, they haven't done a very good job developing from within. Now, that said, I'd much rather the team be good at developing pitching because it's a lot harder to acquire. Um, now, as far as looking at like the player and say they reach, you know, you can't really say they've reached if they really like the guy. And I know some scouts that really liked him, and I know the metrics – really favor Eric Brown in a lot of different ways. And you know, when you're looking at his hard hit ball data and his chase percentage and like the, the, the quality at bats and his defensive value, a lot of the other things that go into this question and the Brewers are a very, very heavy exactly. metric based yes, team. Correct. So they, they like these type of players. And then I, I saw some fans point out, well, he plays coastal Carolina. Who the heck are they playing? The Sun Belt's a tough conference. And Coastal Carolina played some tough teams, and Brown had success against some tough pitchers. So, you know, you can kind of throw that argument out the window, too. I could care less about his bat. I could care less about the leg kick. Those are all just timing mechanism things and preferences for hitters. That You know, it may look a little Little League to some people, but really those things do not play a part into whether or not the player is going to succeed. So I understand your concern. Um, I just know a lot of people that I think Eric Brown – could be one of the steals of this draft. So, and again, I hope for the Brewers' sake that he actually is a steal. My concern is, like you said, they're huge into the numbers, they're huge into the metrics. Well, they've been huge into all of that this entire time, and none of it has worked. None of it. They haven't developed a first baseman. They haven't developed a third baseman. Nobody has come up and done anything. Keston Hira was the one guy that, hey, if nothing else, he can hit. Defensively, yeah, he may not be great, and we knew that, but he'll hit. And he hasn't hit outside of that first year where they brought him up. And that's why, for me, I get the red flags of if Hira can't figure it out with as good as he was in college, at this point, why am I to believe that them being as analytically driven as they are, that they're going to be right now? Yeah, I don't have an answer for that because, you know, I was a big fan of Keston Hira. I'm surprised that he hasn't been productive in his career. I had the chance to see him hit in college and, and I thought he was one of, if not the best hitters that year he came out for the draft. And when he was drafted by the Brewers, I was pretty excited for them because I'm looking, I'm like, all right, they're, they're getting a legitimate bat. Hasn't worked out that way, obviously. Um, yeah, and you're, you're right about the size thing. You know, like Sal Frey like a year ago, and you know, Bryce Terang's not overly big. And now you had you Robert Moore and Eric Brown. Both guys are sub-six-foot players, so they're not adding these big – physical players and the one they did a year ago, the local kid, Alex Benellis, they traded him away to Boston. 
um, as part of the deal to get uh, Hunter Renfro this past off season. So, yeah, I mean, if if you're looking for power guys into the system, I, I do agree that that's the one area they would seem to need to address. Now, I'm, uh, you know, again, on the flip side, they like the up the middle type of talent, knowing you can move these guys to other positions. Who? I like that approach overall. This but is at my some point. You well, do need to get some big bats. This is my see again. I'm going to get all fired up and angry about this because it's driving me nuts. <laughs> you, if I said this last week. If they would have been the front office, they never, ever would have drafted Prince Fielder. It never would have happened. He never would have been a brewer, Patrick Ebert. It never would have happened. I don't know, because he, too, was five foot nine and may have had incredible offensive metrics. But he, only played, but he only played first. He wasn't versatile. They would have drafted Melendez That's from true. Texas. Had they, if, had they even thought about that concept, he, he should have been, the, for me, that would have been the pick. That's a power-hitting kid that can play first. Yes, he's limited to first base. So what? You don't have one. And now maybe he's at the at the majors, maybe in two years, if everything goes right, in a band box known for American Family Field. And instead, we got a couple of uh, smaller dudes that are going to play up the middle like everybody else in the farm system. Let's move on. I'm getting mad. Uh, okay, let's talk about the the pitcher that they got from Crowder uh, Junior College. He's six foot seven. Jake Mizorowski, is that how you say his name? Tell us about him. Yep. Yeah, so Jacob Mizorowski, six foot seven, 190. So, you know, in, in the scouting terms, that's like the definition of projection. Long limbs, uh, well-proportioned body, still has room to add strength, has, has touched triple digits, meaning, you know, he's touched 100 miles per hour, pitches in the low to mid-90s, and has a really good slider. He does have a curveball and a changeup. He hasn't had to use them much. Um, simply because of the level of competition. He pitched at the JUCO level this past year and just absolutely dominated. Same college that uh, Aaron Ashby pitched at, and and now this is the third, I believe, notable junior college pitcher the Brewers have drafted the past four or five years with Ashby and then Antoine Kelly a couple years ago. So they like these big, projectable pitchers that they can get into their system mold them. They've proven to have some success with this type of player. That doesn't mean that, you know, Mizorowski is automatically going to be a big leaguer someday, but at least they do have something to point to as opposed to the many candidates that you suggested on the hitting side. You know, they do have some good fortune developing pitchers. I like the projection for this. I like, you know, the downhill action. A lot of the metrics, again, support him. He gets good spin on his fastball, makes it harder to hit. He gets good extension on his pitches with when you're six foot seven. You know, that makes it even that much more harder to hit. So, like, again, he's got a lot of those, you know, tangible qualities to him in the, in the metrics that support his case and leads people to believe that he's just scratching the surface on what he's capable of doing. Thank you so much for coming on, Patrick Ebert. I'm sorry I yelled at you, but I've been very emotional about this since <laughs> last week. And then and after it, I watched it last night, I was getting more mad as I was watching it. And I didn't do it on Twitter. I was just like, hey, man, I hope these guys work out. And I do. I hope they do work out. But the philosophy drives me batty. D1Baseball.com for Patrick Ebert. Follow him on Twitter. He's more composed than I am. At Patrick Ebert 44. Thank you, my friend. Yep, thanks, Mark. Take care. Take care. There is Patrick Ebert on the Schneider Orange Hotline. Schneider's hiring drivers right now. For more info, call them 844-PRIDE or go to schneiderjobs.com. That's 844-PRIDE or go to schneiderjobs.com. Up next, this one's going to be a fun one. Trey Meyer, the Kenosha Kingfish mascot who got annihilated by Packers running back A.J. Dillon over the weekend. He'll join us. You're listening to the Big Show Radio Network.
Wendy's Big Show served up hot and fresh. That's strawberry frosty, baby. Ooh-wee. It's a hot one. It's going to be a hot few days, it looks like, this week. At least here in southeastern Wisconsin. I'm not sure about the rest of the state. Southeastern Wisconsin, we're looking at 90s uh, all week. And that strawberry frosty, man, it is on point. That strawberry taste is outstanding. Time to enjoy yourself is built in. You're welcome. They're so rich and creamy, a straw just won't cut it. And finishing one, that takes at least 15 minutes, especially if it's a large. It's going to take you longer than that. Check your watch. Is it frosty time yet? And by that we mean, is it time for a moment with just you and your frosty kicking back and doing whatever goes best with the best treat of the summer? These strawberry frosty treats are going fast. So when it's time for frosty time, choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. Limited time only. Uh, AR and Roberts efforting to get Trey Meyer, the Kenosha Kingfish mascot, uh, on the radio. We have him. He joins us now on the Schneider Orange Hotline. Schneider's hiring drivers right now for more info. Call them 844-PRIDE or go to schneiderjobs.com. That's 844-PRIDE or go to schneiderjobs.com. Trey, thanks for coming on, man. How you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? Doing really good. You probably didn't see yourself doing radio interviews uh, at some point as a Kenosha Kingfish mascot is my guess. Would that be accurate? I know, right? Literally literally all day, yeah. Yeah, so, okay, so first things first. I want to know, first off, why are you the Kenosha Kingfish mascot? Like, did somebody talk you into doing this? Did you lose a dare? Like, how did you get to the point? Because I've never understood why people want to be mascots to begin with. But do please do tell how this all came to be of you being a mascot. Yeah, so um, I was just looking for a job in the summer. It's good reason. And, you know, I've always wanted to work in sports, sports and stuff. Yeah. So um, in the country, I live like five minutes away from the country Cambridge Stadium. So I was just looking around for jobs near me, um, and I saw you know mascot performer. I was like, you know, this, this would be a, this would be a cool thing to do over the summer. So yeah, that's kind of how um, that came to be. I got to tell you a quick story. So years ago, uh, yes, I dressed up uh, into the U singers. Uh, sausage, you know, using your sausage. Um, and they have these uniforms that yep. you put on or whatever the case may be. And I would wear it at, you know, tailgates or wherever they asked me to wear it on top of doing my radio job. And what I found was women are very forthright coming, grabbing at you when you're in one of those things uh, and wanting to see what's underneath oh, the yeah. costume. That to me, I could not uh-huh. believe how aggressive some women were to whoever was in that costume. You find the same thing? Yes, yeah, that that happens probably at least once a game. They're you know they're they're all, they're all up over you and stuff. That is crazy, man. All right, uh, Trey Meyer, Kenosha Kingfish mascot. So now tell me this: How does this play out that somebody came up with the idea to get you annihilated by AJ Dillon, the Packers' uh, running back? So who came up with this idea? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I actually showed the stadium and um, the MC that was doing all of the uh, I don't know like PA announcing and stuff and like the in-game host. Um, he, he kind of came up with the idea. Uh, so, yeah, like at the end of the fourth inning, I go and do the Oklahoma drill against A.J. Dillon. You know, I didn't think much of it at first. It was just like a little promo or, a, you know, event on the field for, for entertainment. You know, I thought he was going to take it easy on me, but um, obviously that was not the case. So, <laughs> so first of all, the, the correct response to whoever the in-game host would have been, sure, you can get in the costume. I'll grab the microphone and you can get hit by AJ Dillon since you think it's such a great idea. I mean, you you yeah, are yeah. way more trusting of everybody involved in this situation than I would have been. I know, yeah, yeah, I was. But you know, I I just do as I'm told. So 
I will see what that talks. Yeah, I understand. And that that's good. When you're coming up and trying to keep a job and all that, yeah, absolutely you should do that. So, okay, so the <laughs> idea comes to be. So now what is that first interaction like between you and AJ Dillon as far as how this is going to play out? Honestly, I didn't really have much interaction with him up until Oh, that's um, another mistake. The, oh, the whole Oklahoma drill actually actually played out. So, so you never talked to him talk and was like, oh, before. So you didn't say like, hey, dude, not, listen no. here. There's no padding in here. So like, don't break my ribs or anything <laughs> when we do this. Like, you got to kind of take it easy. And, you know, I can't really see where you're coming from to judge which way I should lean. I mean, oh, my God. Yeah. So you really got kind of blindsided. I, I pretty much did. Yeah. Because you can't see out of that all that well, I can't imagine. Right. No. So I, I can't see right in front of me, but I can kind of see like out of the corners. Right. And so I did not really see him coming. So yeah, that was, it was kind of a shock when, oh, when oh I got, God. when I got hit that hard. So. Okay. So now you get hit, you're lying out. Did he knock the breath out of you? Did he, did your, are your ribs hurting a little bit? How did that all go? Oh, I, I got the wind knocked on me for sure. Um, and, and right now my, my chest, my chest is a little bit sore, but honestly it's not as bad as you think, but um, when I was laying there on the ground, my, my first thought went to, Oh my gosh, my, the, the head just came off the costume. And so I immediately started trying to go find the head. I got that back on pretty quickly. I hope I didn't ruin some, some kid's life. No, no, uh, no. Some kid's childhood. Meanwhile, all the adults in the in the crowd were like, "I hope he's not dead." That they were worrying about your livelihood exactly. at that point more than what their kids were seeing with the helmet, the yeah. the the top flying off. So, did he come up to you afterwards yeah. and be like, "Dude, are you all right? You know, are you good?" Or did he just walk away? Yeah. Um. Well, right after the hit, he was he was uh, running around the stadium like like pumping up the crowd. Um. But but behind the scenes, like back in the office, you know, he apologized. You know, I got an autograph from him and Jordan Love. I got a picture. So, yeah, nice. it was all good. So he was classy about it. So, the, see, now listen here. Yep. I, I, I've done I've done wrestling before, right? I've been in the ring. I was the Great Lakes champion, women wrestling and all that. And when you're going through, like, that process, you learn that communication is everything and knowing every little thing possible mm-hmm. is everything. Otherwise, you could get yourself seriously hurt if you don't do exactly correct. So going forward, Trey yep. – Always ask more questions than you did this time. I know, right? Yeah, that that's definitely a life lesson right there. Did you see? Did you did you see that you were copied already? Did you see already the Fondy Doc Spiders saw, copied you? Yep, I saw the Fondy Lack Spiders, and, and I gotta say, I th- I think the Kingfish did it better. Uh, yeah, AJ Dillon was the AJ Dillon hit was better than the Braylon Allen hit. I would think. <laughs> yes, I would not want to yeah. get hit by Braylon uh-huh. Allen though. Let's just clarify that. Trey Meyer, Kenosha Kingfish mascot. Yeah. Thanks so much for coming on, man. Appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate it. You bet. You take care. There he is, Trey Meyer, Kenosha Kingfish mascot. Man, he is way, way more trusting than I would have been. There is no way. I'm doing that unless I talk to AJ Dillon first to let him know what I have because I think sometimes. These athletes think like there's padding or cushion inside of these their, nope. these outfits. There's nothing in your head. You can't see. Again, I've been in these things. You cannot see. That's why those racing sausages, that is a tough deal. Plus, you got to balance all that stuff on top of your head. All right, that'll do it for me. Toby Altizer will fill in for me here during the last hour of the show. Enjoy it. We'll have Tim Diller tomorrow on the Wendy's Big Show. Toby Altizer next here on the Big Show. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, 
You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.